The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. Okay, man, let's turn and burn. Are you not entertained? Here we go. The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 406 on a Thursday. Minus 45,000 degrees outside. If you are working outside today, you have my unmitigated respect and love. I was at a car dealership today and I said to the guy... What is it like working these winters where you go from it's nice inside to holy crap, I got to get out of this fast I can, I got to burst off this car. It's just just awful. And being outside, right, for an extended period of time, you can get used to it. But if you're an inside, outside, inside, outside, try to keep your temperature right. No, I don't, I don't think you get used to this. No. <laughs> I mean, this is really cold. Uh, and I want to say thanks to the oil and gas sector. Ooh. Uh, natural yeah. gas and uh, those guys working, well, and ladies working outside to uh, make sure that we are alive because we wouldn't be alive yeah. for a long period of time. Uh, we'd be lighting things on fire to stay alive. When I crank the dial up to 74, I'm like, oh, yeah, it, as long as it comes. Yeah, thank all, you. That's all I'm good. I am very, very thankful for that. Plenty to talk about today on The Cage. Ton of football. CFL signings are coming a month ahead of free agency. Big ones for the Stampeders. The biggest one for the Edmonton Elks is they have decided on who will be their quarterback. We'll discuss that with Marshall Ferguson at 4.30. Suits, a little earlier than normal today. He'll join us at 5.05. Arash Madani at 5.30. We will talk about... Jeff Reinbold in a move that Arash predicted here on the air on Tuesday. We will discuss two guys taking a trip to Crazy Town, Novak Djokovic and Antonio Brown, as both those stories. The Brown one gets a little clearer. The Novak Djokovic, I'm going to compare my son to Jesus, got a little got a little much from the Djokovic family oh, today, but that's some uh, good talk. And then 605, Aaron Karolnik, we look ahead to the final regular season week in the National Football League. The text line is 306-936-6262, brought to you by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. It's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. I want to know from you, what current or former rider would you love to see as a coach? Anthony Calvillo, the Hall of Famer, back with the Montreal Alouettes on this day, back as the quarterback coach. Uh, he was the quarterback coach in, what, 2016, 2017. He is back in Montreal. Give me a rider, past or present, that would make a good coach. I I immediately f- default to, because he's been on the air with us so many times, Abby, Cody Fajardo would, when he's done playing, he's going to be all over. He's going to be coaching the crap out of kids. He's just going to be up one side of him and down the other. He's teaching high schoolers right now. Uh, he has got coaching in his blood. I'm trying to think of um, – I want to know some past riders. Guys guys dip their toes into it, be it training or skill development. Manny Arsenault's doing some. Well, you think about some of the former rider quarterbacks that are coaching even the NFL right now. You know, we've got some that uh, – I've got some pretty – you know, Burris, for example. Yep, like, with the Bears. With the Bears. And uh, who's Kev- in Seattle? Kevin Glenn? Or is uh, that Joseph? Kerry Joseph, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Seems like rider organization guys uh, turn on to be good coaches. You know I think it would be a good coach? And he's yeah, not here today, so I don't even know if he's listening. I think Luke would be a great coach, actually. 
<laughs> he did some. With, he did some with the Thunder, right? He did some, and he, yeah. He enjoyed- but at a pro level, you know, I mean, he he really understands the game. He's very vocal and passionate. Oh, um, and he'd be a players' coach for sure. He yeah, know, he knows. But he'd be a demanding players' coach. He he would absolutely fit in. I I yeah. I wonder if that appeals to him. Taking pot shots from the cheap seats like I do <laughs> is actually really good, really good. So I could see if Luke is in love with that portion of it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Mullender would be great, right? Because I was I was trying to think of it. I'm like, well, you need to you need to know the game and you need to be able to communicate the game. You can't be a lot of guys that I watch and look at and go, ah, he's pretty quiet. Ah, he's pretty quiet. I wonder if he likes talking to people. Ah, you kind of got to talk to people to, and then you have to have realistic expectations, right? Anthony Calvillo can't go into a quarterback meeting with the Montreal Alouettes quarterbacks and, and expect that they're going to play like him. Like, hey, Matthew Schiltz, why don't you do this? I would have done this. Well, because you're a Hall of Famer and I'm Matthew Schiltz, right? You have to be realistic about the whole thing. So it'd be a, it'd be a tough needle to thread. Yeah, that is such a great move for Montreal. I mean, the greatness that Calvillo had with that organization and now to be there to help, you know, sort of uh, lead their, yeah. their their quarterbacks. I mean, who who else would fit perfectly in that role other than Anthony Calvillo? It's it's just strange watching it from afar and not knowing any of the inside story of it. Like, he was a coach with them for three years. Then he moved to Toronto, take their quarterback job. And then all of a sudden, he's out of the CFL and he's coaching U Sports football. He's coaching the Montreal Caravan. You know, yeah. Wait a minute. What? I get... You stay, maybe wanted to stay in Montreal. Maybe that was the thing, right? Uh, that would seem to make sense of, hey, I, I want to be a coach, but I want to be a coach in Montreal because, hey, I'm now Canadian. Boom, let's go. But I was coaching with the Caravan, and now he gets a chance to be back at the CFL level, and I think, honestly, we're all, we're all a little richer for it. But, uh, yeah, Steve Walsh, the former Riders quarterback coach, now off to the States. There's, there's quarterback coaches available. I'm curious if anybody's got one that's not a quarterback, though, because I just Yo, default sure. to quarterbacks. Yeah. There's got to be other guys that would be just, mwah. yeah. Well, it'll be no, interesting to see what the text line uh, has for us today, for sure. Because yeah. I, uh, I know Rider Nation will have lots of uh, probably great suggestions of of great coaches. Three oh six nine three six sixty two sixty two is the text line. Some news from the Canadian Football League: some guys getting tryouts down south, and some guys re-upping up here. The biggest one. The Dave Naylor TSN break in the news that the Elks have redone the contract of quarterback Nick Arbuckle. So he is under contract for 2022. He'll make $340,000. And I just, just one day in my life, I want $100,000 to sign my name on something. Wow, hundred grand up front. So when, a couple days ago when people were saying, well, who's going to be the starter? Will it be this guy? When you give a guy a hundred grand. He's going to be your starter. He's going to make it through training camp because you're not going to whiz away 2% of the salary cap on a guy who won't play for you. He would have to be a nightmare. So Nick Arbuckle would appear to be the starter in Edmonton this season, which we talked about this a couple days ago. I didn't get it when the Elks coaches didn't say anything about Arbuckle. Hey, what do you think of Nick Arbuckle? You worked with him in Toronto. No comment. What? I'm, I'm sorry? Yeah. No comment. You're the you're the offensive coordinator. He's the quarterback. Had to be, I, that was so bizarre. And if maybe it was a negotiation, maybe something. Yeah, I don't want to pump his no. tires up too much, but that's a pretty good payday. I mean, really, for Nick Arbuckle. I mean, that is he. Now he's going to have to prove it. Yeah, that and that's the thing, right? He's he's kind of still waiting for the chance to prove it, and 
he didn't really grab Toronto by the throat and, and make it his last season, obviously, and ended up trading him away at the end of the year. He's He now gets a chance. He had no chance at Ottawa because that season never did happen. But this guy who's made a ton of money so far, all considered when he hasn't really done a bunch, right? And 340 compared to quarterbacks who have made in past 700 or 525 or 450 ago, ah, you know what? For a coach who who's going to want to spend a bunch of money on defense and a GM who's going to want to spend a bunch of money on defense, if you get an 18-game starter for only 300-something thousand dollars, that's a, that's a decent start for Edmonton. Yeah. If he's good. And that is still TBD. Yeah, for sure. But you know what? We've seen like spots of, of uh, a greatness from him so far. So uh, now that he knows where he's going and, and that they're basically putting all their faith in him, yeah. Uh, again, now he's got to put the work into it to show that he's a legit uh, starter and can you know maybe be a champion one day. There you go. The Stampeders re-signing wide receiver Reggie Bagleton, our friend Danny Austin of the Calgary Sun and Herald, saying, hey, he might just be the best receiver in the National Football League. Uh, Bombers re-signing their right tackle, Jamarcus Hardrick, to a one-year extension. That guy's the all-star at right tackle, so there's the best in the Canadian Football League off the market as well. And a couple of guys getting tryouts in the States today. The Bombers' Drew Desjardins worked out with the Los Angeles Chargers and the Stampeders' left guard Zach Williams working out with the Indianapolis Colts. (laughs) Just saying, if you want to make teams in the West just a little bit weaker... That's good by me. I'm, yeah, no I'm doubt. En- I am entirely... Take them. Take them all. Exactly. I am entirely selfish on that one. David Pence says Darian Durant would be an amazing quarterback coach, particularly in Saskatchewan. Riders don't have a quarterback coach. They have a quarterback as their offensive coordinator. Don't have a quarterback coach. Uh, another suggestion for Weston Dressler. Can you imagine if Dressler could somehow convey to people okay here's exactly how i how i turned this i don't know not exactly not height weight blessing into being an absolutely elite canadian receiver if you could bottle that and sell it to people oh man i i wonder could he could he explain it could he sit down and go oh here's what i did here i give him a little hip shuffle he was Heart, Unbelievable, heart, right? passion, oh. and just drive and desire and all that stuff, which yeah. I guess, that, you know, they're right, would make a great coach. Darian Durant and Weston Dressler, two very good suggestions. I want a current or former rider who you think would make a great coach. The text line, 306-936-6262. We'll also float that by a couple of our guests. Marshall Ferguson at 430. Suits will have some good ones coming up at 505 in fine tailored suits. It is 417 Uh, Some COVID-related cancellations to talk about coming. If you missed a show or missed part of a show, you can listen on demand at sportscage.ca. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House and 620 CKRM. Time for the afternoon rush. After all the wondering and hand-wringing, the Elks redid a one-year contract with quarterback Nick Arbuckle. TSN's Dave Naylor says it's for $340,000 with $100K up front. Stamps re-signing receiver Reggie Bagleton, Bombers all-star right tackle Jamarcus Hardrick, and the Luther Invitational Tournament canceled for a second straight year. COVID made it impossible to host the premiere high school basketball tournament in the city. Draw three at the Viterra Women's Scotties. What do we have? Uh, Ashley Howard and 
Michelle Englott tied at three through four ends. Brett Barber and Krista Ellingson in the other B event matchup. That one tied at four after three ends as well. We'll keep you updated on the action from Cinnaboya as we go along. It is 419. Marshall Ferguson at the bottom of the clock. Looking forward to the Olympics at all? Like at all? I mean, yes, if it's going to happen. I don't know. I mean, it's going to happen, right? Again, it's it's one of those things where you just find yourself up at weird hours of, of the day and night watching sports you wouldn't randomly or wouldn't normally watch, right? So, yeah, it's kind of cool that way. It's I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, I'm uh, when these when these massive events get get pushed out, just billions of dollars are on the line, right? So that, that the World Cup is going to be played in next November. Because it's Qatar and people would literally melt. Well, okay, well, you had to do that because that was driven by the money. This, The IOC is going ahead with the Olympics. This, will it be worth watching, though? Who, because I'm curious how many yeah. athletes between now and then are going to back out. And then I was just uh, introduced to the people invited to play for the U.S. Olympic men's hockey team. And I thought, I, d- I don't know about this. I, I, I don't know if I can watch Olympic men's hockey this year. I'm going to throw you some names from the U.S. Olympic men's hockey team that will play, should they all accept, in China coming up. Are you ready? Okay. Am I going to know any of these? Uh, I sort of recognized one. And uh, that's what Ken Agostino. At forward, Maddie Benyers and Noah Cates. And Matthew Nice and Ben Myers and Andy Miele, which is a name that struck me as I think I may have heard that. Turns out he played like 15 games in the NHL. Brian O'Neill, Nathan Smith on defense, Brock Fabers and Drew Hellison, Stephen Kampfer, Aaron Ness, Jake Sanderson, David Warsawski, and Strauss Mann in goal. The first 15 players invited to the U.S. Olympic team. That from Frank Saravalli. I don't know who any of them are and what i was really looking forward to was some great olympic men's hockey and i think we're going to get just olympic men's hockey and that's about it it will be hockey it'll be played by men at the olympics but that's as close as it gets to Olympic men's hockey. Yeah, I know it's disheartening for the players, for sure, and the coaches that were anticipating going to the Olympics, but it's really disheartening for fans, too, because, I mean, you think about... I mean, think about Sydney's golden goal and when oh. that all happened. And, like, you know, you're gathered around with your friends and it's just, it means so much to our country to win the gold medal in hockey. Yeah. And you get a game that was exciting as that one was. And then a finish, like, you just, you know, it's like movie, right? Like, it was, it couldn't have been better. Yeah. And jumping off the couch and freaking out and we're, you know, gold medalists and, and it just, it means so much. And it's not that we don't have that same passion, but for sure, when you've got the elite players, it's just so much more exciting. Yeah. I was working on a soccer show at the time, a soccer TV show, and there was the, the newsroom was right there. And on that day, the 2010 gold medal game, everything stopped. Oh, yeah. The news people, there are a lot of news people in the building instead of out getting news because we were all watching the hockey game. Our show didn't go on until like 7 p.m., so we had all the time in the world to watch this happen. What, what, just everything was just silent watching that game, and you go, yeah, that's... That is what we will not well, have just, this year. It's cool to see players that are on the same teams, right? right? Like you're a fan of certain players and they get, you know, 
on the same line or on the same team and maybe on the same power play as guys that they would normally play against, uh, but they're all united for one, and that's just what makes it so so special. Yeah, and seeing Ken Agostino on a line with Noah Cates and Ben Myers. <laughs> I'm sure they're way better hockey players than you and I are. Oh, Don't get me wrong, but some of these guys are uh, some of these guys are still, you know, in their in uh, in college and juniors and stuff and they are prospects for NHL teams and some guys have been to the NHL and are 10 years removed from the NHL. These are all legit hockey players. It's just it's not what it could. This is like the World Championships that that weirdly happen while the Stanley Cup Final playoffs are going on, right? Like, well, I just... still watch Spangler Cup hockey when it's on TV sometimes, and you I don't really? know half of the players, so I just love live sports. I mean, let's face it, I, I will, I'll take it. Yeah, it's it's going to be a weird. It's it's already a weird year. It's the sixth of January, and it's just getting going to get weirder from here. I'll be new Canadian heroes, you know, like people that maybe you wouldn't have heard of before that. That are going to uh, represent our country well and uh, hopefully bring us uh, home some hardware. Jack Thompson Smith, the golden goal. Okay. If anybody can make that uh, sound great, it'll be uh, Cuthbert. Mentioned some cancellations. Of course, the uh, Pats Blade series for Friday, Saturday. That has been called off because of some COVID positive tests. WHL just sending out an announcement now. Friday, Saturday, home and home between Prince Albert and Swift Current is also off as everything just gets gets worse and worse. Uh, multiple players and staff being added to the COVID protocol list uh, due to exhibiting symptoms or having tested positive for COVID-19. So two more games involving Saskatchewan teams off for the weekend. Kind of feel like I just, I just want this to... Just everybody get it right now and let's just move on here real quick because I, oh. this, isn't, this, this is going to be the thing for the next couple months for sure you go blind watching it whoa three more games in the nhl have been postponed the vancouver I'm, oh my gosh just again call me call me when it's over yeah. hey kucherov's coming back tonight yeah Fan- is fantasy, fantasy he's on my thing? fantasy he's been my injured long term forever and i had to reactivate him today pretty excited about that so they're not, they're not just gonna hold him out to the playoffs again <laughs> apparently not I like, I like it uh, man it's we're in the weirdest timeline, and uh, yes, a couple more WHL games are off as we, uh, we're we just trying to get through this, and hopefully we can get back to uh, seeing Connor Bedard and company and hearing yeah. Dante DiCaria well, up live on our air, which, I mean, props to the, the Scotty so far in Assiniboia. They're bubbling up the, the athletes and the officials and stuff, and, you know, it's, okay, it's day two, so I'll, I mean, not too many pats on the back yet, but, you know, they're into draw number three. They're getting through. Yeah. Plowing ahead. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've got to do the best they can, and I know that they want to get it done, so I'm sure they're taking extra precautions, uh, the players, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, Pat's uh, next game, if it plays, is Tuesday. They play host to Calgary Yeah, on Tuesday, so we'll see, because that's pretty still, that's not that, you know, it's not like next Friday, it's like Tuesday, so we'll see yeah. with that game. They they had a release, the Pats did, that said one person had tested positive. I don't know if there are more I I would presume there'll be any updates. So hopefully that yeah, like you say, hopefully that game can go ahead. Oh, and just so you but know, anything when, is when we're live back at the Brandt Center, when you know we like to take the cage on the road and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Uh, Player is probably not coming up to visit with us anymore. It'll be uh, that was fun. It'll be over the phone <laughs> <laughs> or Zoom or whatever we set it up. So just so you know, those were good times. Yeah, <laughs> those those were good times, and they are late, going away. Late twenty twenty one. Thank you. 
1027. All the guests of the cage appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Marshall Ferguson, the Canadian Football Perspective, joins us next. On the heels of the Reggie Bagleton signing, you want to know what would be the five best receivers? Free agents, current riders, you could put out there for the riders this season. We'll run that by Mr. Marshall Ferguson. Plus, we'll get the skinny on quarterbacks, including Nick Arbuckle. Talk about Anthony Calvillo. will be back with the Alouettes and oh so much more. Your texts and calls as well as the sports cage rolls on on a Thursday. Time for one big number. One big number for this day is four. After four days in limbo, Antonio Brown has officially been released by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The team saying he had been cleared by the medical team prior to Sunday's game to play, and at no point did he say, hey, I'm hurt, so I can't go. That contradicts what Brown had told the media after he was essentially thrown off the team on Sunday, the team says we've tried multiple times to get him with our orthopedist, but we haven't heard back from him. So as of right now, Antonio Brown is a free agent. Anyone going to take the leap? Bring him in with the playoffs just a week away. One big number brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. Keeping you connected to everything that matters in the sports scene. It's the Sports Cage with Derek and the panel. 620 CKRM. 429 on a Thursday. Just going to go ahead and, and capture this. Minus 31. Looking for a low of minus 37. Tomorrow's going to be kind of ugly. Like, it's supposed <laughs> to snow tomorrow and be winds between 30 and 50K and... Yeah. I have minus eight though. Is oh that, yeah, no, it's warming up, but the but the roads are going to be. Like, oh. It's going to be blowing snow all over. It's going to be. Yeah, not too fun. Yeah. I just I pray next Wednesday high of one degree. Let's just have that hold oh. up, shall we? That'll be amazing. Sure. There there will be shorts. I promise you. We're on the corner of of uh, Rose and Twelfth, and, 12th, and there will be someone in shorts, guaranteed next. Week. Oh, I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it. He joined us throughout the CFL season. No reason to, to not keep talking football with the great Marshall Ferguson, the Canadian football perspective. What's up, brother? I feel for you guys. That's what's up. I thought I was a tough guy today because I went and had a great conversation with Paul Woods, uh, who recently, of course, wrote The Year of the Rocket, the 91 Argos uh, championship celebration book that he put out and was very successful throughout the year and we were talking about CFL and some projects that we're thinking about and then we sat on his front porch and, and we were kind of saying to ourselves like oh man you know what this was good we were responsible we were outdoors you know we were socially distanced we went for a walk and we did it all in negative 10 and we felt like we had accomplished something <laughs> and then I and then I listened to the opening of your show negative 45 with the wind chill and I went uh yeah I didn't accomplish anything today yeah, I, I have a, a two-lane driveway I need to shovel when I get home today, so it, it's, it's going to be a long night. Well, this is the thing. When you, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you get past about negative 20, negative 25, because I have experienced that, and in all honesty, I love going to Jasper, Alberta as much as I possibly can because I love being in the mountains, and sometimes I go out there and it's negative 25, negative 30 with the wind chill kind of thing, and at that point, the snow, yes, you can shovel it, but it just begins to feel like bricks. Like it's <laughs> yeah. like the snow crystallizes in a way that is not snow really at that point, which in honesty, in Hamilton, we almost have the opposite problem, which is 
a lot of the time we just linger somewhere between zero and five degrees on either side, negative five or plus five. Yeah. And so snow is just perpetually this like wet slop. So we don't have any of that. But man, at negative 45, how the hell are you supposed to shovel that? Oh, just make sure you're bundled up. Honestly, once you get past a certain <laughs> level, as long as you have enough layers and your face is covered, you'll be you'll be just fine. But uh, I, I mean, yeah, that Ontario stuff where I, I learned what the phrase getting a booter is when you're walking through big cities in Ontario because the weather's so warm and all of a sudden your ankle high boot isn't as ankle high as you thought. Ugh, mm. Awful. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. All right. Uh, Marshall Ferguson, Reggie Bagleton re-signing with the Calgary Stampeders made me wonder, okay, who are we thinking are the best five receivers in the Canadian Football League going into this season? Danny Austin, friend of the show, said, oh, might be one of the best. And I, I don't argue with that. And then I saw, oh, look who wrote about him on CFL.ca, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so this was interesting. This is, uh, this is the first time that I've actually had two full years of complete game tracking data to parse receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, offensive tendencies, all that good stuff that I love digging into. And I went back and looked at, you know, DT from talking to me throughout our podcast together on CFP and all the stuff that I love looking at usage versus production. Like it's, it's not the king statistic or the greatest way to be able to measure receivers. But to me, when I really boiled down what I want out of my offensive skill position players, the question becomes two things. And I, there's a lot more that are more diverse, but when you boil it down, it's, how often am I giving you the football and yeah. how often are you rewarding me for giving you the football? When I target you, are you giving me some sort of productive return on the effort I'm making to get you the ball? And so when I put this chart together in 2019, Brian Burnham was far and away the best player. Now, Braylon Addison of the Hamilton Tiger Cats had a slightly higher production, but he had way less usage, way less targets. Brandon Banks, the MOP had slightly less usage than Brian Burnham and actually a significantly lower production grade than Braylon Addison. So you get this kind of like triangle effect of Addison and Burnham and Banks. And who's right in the middle of that mess? A couple of interesting names. One was Shaq Evans, who obviously yep. in 2021 is nowhere near that top tier. The other one was Naaman Roosevelt with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, where <laughs> in 2019, he was right in the middle of that, but he was next to Gino Lewis, Greg Ellingson, and Reggie Bagleton. So when I think about the top tier of the Canadian Football League, and again, that's in 2019, mm -hmm. it's Addison, Evans, Geno Lewis, Begleton, Burnham, and Banks. And Roosevelt in there, of course, but he's just not done anything lately this past year. So, And then I put the same chart together for 2021. And what came out of it was that all of a sudden, Kenny Lawler was Brandon Banks. Yep. All of a sudden, Brian Burnham is in the exact same spot. Like He's, he's the most productive guy with the highest workload outside of Lawler. And then in between those two, kind of splitting in and making a surprise appearance, I guess you could say, was Jake Winicky. Well, obviously, because he had limited time and availability, Reggie Begleton on this chart in terms of number of reps taken and the throws that he got throughout the year and the production grade, he was Jordan Williams Lambert. Like he was he was right next to Jordan Williams Lambert and right next to Josh Huff and right next to Colton Hunchak and right next to Mitchell Picton. It's just because he wasn't around long enough to get into the flow of things, the rhythm of things. So he's going to be incredible for them, I believe, especially if Bo is back in 2022. And the reason that I say that is I, li I like Jake Marin. I think he's got all sorts of potential. But when you put together the target chart and the heat maps on Bo Levi Mitchell, the thing that Bo does that's unlike any quarterback in the CFL, he attacks the middle of the field at all depths. Like yes. Bo is not scared to try and take shots at you down the middle of the field in between the hashes. The majority of Reggie Begleton's work, albeit most of it under 30 yards down the field, 
is in the middle of the field. Like they are a, a perfect match in terms of where Bo is, is willing to throw the football and where Reggie likes to do his work. He's not like Brandon Banks where he's constantly running deep outs and corner routes and go routes down the sideline in the run and shoot 2018 with June Jones. He likes to work in the middle. And I'm convinced that if he's able to get through a full, you know, whatever it is, training camp, preseason, in the offensive meeting room, unlike 2021, he's going to be right there at the top of the league with Burnham and Lawler, assuming he's back, and guys like Kamar Jordan and Lucky Whitehead, wherever he goes in free agency. So I, I really do think he's one of the very best in the game. I, I'm with you on that. It's Even though his numbers in, in 2021 didn't really reflect – uh, 26 targets, 14 catches. It was yep. 14 catches for 238 yards, which is particularly productive. One touchdown, a couple of drops, and a very deep average depth of target. The interesting thing from from Calgary's perspective, and it, it was Bagleton moving to a new position, right? He and Kamar in consecutive years were that, that third guy out to the wide side. They moved Bagleton across the wide receiver, and you wondered, okay, well, is this going to go? And uh, I think, I mean, Ryder fans saw it in the playoffs. Like, oh, yeah, five catches for 105? Yeah, it uh, it it went. So yeah. if Bagleton's in that top five, uh, and I think, I think we're all going to be here and say Duke Williams is in that top five, yes? Yeah, yeah, I think so, absolutely. And again, he's another case of the guy who doesn't show up at the top end of the scale on, on this specific metric that I use to judge these things, but... If Duke Williams was in the CFL the entire year, just like Begleton, do we have any doubt that both oh. of them would be right up there with the Burnhams, the Winnikies, and the Lawlers? Like, no, absolutely not. They would be top-tier guys. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, Duke, I th- we would say Begleton. We would both yep. agree Brian Burnham. Like, you can have Brian absolutely. Burnham when you pry him out of my cold, dead hand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that Brian Burnham, like, it's amazing to me. Every year when I, I look at some of these metrics and I go through and I just think, the amount of wear and tear it takes on a receiver to not only play that many games in order to get to that level of usage, but also to be targeted that much and also to be keyed on that much by defenses. Him having Lucky Whitehead when he had him in, everybody was goo-goo-ga-ga, oh my God, Lucky Whitehead's the most explosive thing on the planet. And yeah, he's special. He's fast. He gets around the edge and he beats people down the field. But then you look at the actual numbers and the actual production on a snap-to-snap basis and you're like, oh, Brian Burnham is... Still more productive than Lucky Whitehead is basically every time that you target him. So, yeah, I think Burnham's in that top tier. I think Lawler at this point has to be at the top of it. And I think Gino oh. Lewis is the other one that we put in there. I, I just, for me, I know that Winicky is the guy that's super, super productive and had all the touchdowns and all the rest. But yeah, it kind of, to me, Winicky is kind of like Brad Sinopoli if Sinopoli only caught touchdowns instead of second down conversions. At some point, you're going to hit it where you get in the score zone and teams go, hmm, you know what? Maybe we should take away the guy that they keep throwing all of the touchdowns to and they keep giving all of the score zone targets to. And that, I get that that's tough because you got Gino Lewis on uh, working in tandem with him. But I, I think moving forward, I would be very surprised if the touchdown consistency of touchdown Jake stays where it is. So I just I look at this grand map of the CFL. There's a lot of guys that are right on the heels. Like Kyron Moore has a great impact on the game. I mentioned Whitehead. Jalen Acklin, I think, is underrated. He's got a great ability to change the game. Markeith Ambles is a solid two, three depth kind of guy. RJ Harris was doing his damnedest to try and hold that thing together in Ottawa. Tavares Daniels, I think, if he had some more touches and more consistent play at quarterback in Toronto, could have had better numbers. But for me, it's it's Burnham, Lawler, Gino Lewis, Duke Williams, Reggie Bagleton. That's your starting five. No Shaq Evans, hey? Look at you <laughs> slandering Shaq <laughs> Evans live on the air. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, I feel bad. 
Like, I'm just going to say that straight up. For 21, up, you know, yeah. I was, I was putting, I have an article coming out tomorrow, selfless plug that, uh, or selfish, I should say, not selfless, um, that is coming out on CFL.ca tomorrow about free agent receivers that are available. And again, when I piece this together, I look at some of these different metrics to try and judge. And again, it's not just the numbers. As you and I know, the fun of this is we get the numbers and then we go, okay, but what does it mean? Like, what do we actually see with these players? And what I saw from Shaq Evans throughout the year was obviously injured, like banged up, trying to get back into the fold. He's admitted to you on the air. He's admitted in other venues that he just wasn't himself. He didn't feel right throughout the year. But when I put this together, you know, I feel like a guy who had a really disappointing year after he claimed that he was the best Canadian receiver in the CFL was Shaq Johnson. Like oh, in, in, B, in BC, he yeah. really struggled. And, and Herji Mayala, I thought he was going to have a great second year. Herji had a bad year, man. And and then I think about other players from around the league, like Darrell Walker in Edmonton, obviously just an atrocious year, but they kept feeding him the football. And then Armonte Edwards was another one where, oh, he's going to be the best number. He's going to be the best number three. You know who's smack in the middle when I put this together of production versus usage of Darrell Walker, Armonte Edwards, Shaq Johnson, or Herji Mayala? It's Shaq Evans. So yeah. again, if, if he was healthy, yeah. if he had more targets, maybe that would have changed, but he had a lower production grade than both Darrell Walker and Armonte Edwards on a per-play basis, and that would scare me a little bit. I hope that he comes back and becomes one of the more dynamic players in the league. I think he's got the athleticism to be able to, to make big plays. It's a question now going forward of, with Duke in and Kyron Moore, we assume, coming back, what is his spot going to be? What's his role going to be? Is he going to kind of fizzle and be this guy on the outside that gets the odd touches and tries to create some sort of positive impact? Or... Is he going to force his way into the conversation where Jason Moss and next year says, well, I can't not try to get this guy the football because he can't be stopped with the ball in his hands. So that's a big challenge for him. But that's the question for me on Shaq Evans. He's Marshall Ferguson, Canadian football perspective on the Western Pizza hotline. The thing about Shaq, and we did not see it at all. In, well, I say this. We didn't see it all after the injury in 2021 is when I watched him in 2019, just repeatedly, he's he's sort of open, but he was so great at making that late little bit of separation yeah. from receivers, right? There are guys that toast defensive backs and they're two strides open, but a, guy, a defensive back would think he's with Shaq, and then all of a sudden, he's got a little hand mover, he's got a little push, or he's got a little tug, and then he jumps up and spins backward in the air and makes a, makes a leaping catch, and you go... Man, your your ability to get open just very late in the route when it's too late for the defensive back to do anything different. This uh, this was absolutely elite. He led the league in yards per catch in 2020-19 and then was nowhere near it in 2021. I I feel like people are are selling their Shaq Evans stock and I feel like yeah. come April, May I'm going to want to be picking that up on the slide just as a Oh, you're, you're going to get it at a good price. Tax-free right? savings mean, account. That, just salt it, that away. <laughs> All right. Uh, the big news of the day, Nick Arbuckle signing a deal or yes. redoing his deal with the Edmonton Elks. Uh, 100K up front, 340 in total, according to Dave Naylor. 100K up front says to me, hey, they intend to make him the starter. And the other part of me goes, why was there any consideration that he wouldn't be the starter when the other option is Cornelii, Taylor Cornelius. <laughs> uh, your thoughts uh, on Nick Arbuckle overall, uh, what he did in 19, what he did in 21, what he might do in 22. So the, I mean, this is a long discussion, and I'm sure the one that we will have moving forward here throughout the offseason, but for me, the base level of this is the human side is that I, like many people around the CFL, want Nick Arbuckle to succeed. Like, want him to find a place where he can get an opportunity and he can own a spot for better or for worse, 
let's find out what this guy is about. Because I'm real tired of uh, a couple of games, six, seven games here in Calgary, and let's make a big deal about him. Ooh, Ottawa doesn't want him. Oh, Toronto kind of, oh, hamstring pull. Mm, you know, he's not, uh, let's yeah. go to Edmonton. I'm, I'm tired of it, man. Like, let's put this guy on the field, keep him healthy, protect him, so that we can actually judge, is Nick Arbuckle what everybody made him out to be after those games in Calgary backing up Bo Levi? Or is he just another guy like James Franklin that everybody just wants to set off fireworks and dance around until you find out, oh, he's not really the guy that we thought he was at this point. And for me, I think he is a player. And I think that he is going to have a bright future. And you and I have talked about this. He trended very similar to Trevor Harris, right? When he was in Calgary, where it was short throws and checkdowns and crossers. And I think he can be really effective in that way. But when he was in Toronto, he was really trying to figure out the deep passing. Like he was really trying right. to push the ball a little bit more, take some more of those risks and adapt to Ryan Dinwiddie's system. And I think his inability to do that in that system that he was familiar with, with Dinwiddie in Toronto is part of the reason that they moved on to McLeod Bethel Thompson. Cause I remember calling the game on the Wednesday night on CFL and TSN this year, where it was Toronto against Ottawa and McLeod was getting the start and they had kind of just made the move on a couple of weeks before from Arbuckle. And I said like, what played into that? And he said, well, we got to hit some shot plays. Like we got to be able to take the ball vertical and everybody in Saskatchewan knows what that conversation is like because the way that Cody brought it to fruition before Duke got signed this year. So I want to find out what he's about in 2022, that hundred thousand up front for me, my gut reaction is the same as yours where I say, Oh, okay. They're showing him appreciation and showing him money up front and ready to move forward with him as the starter. Mm. But, but I also know that Chris Jones is a shrewd businessman. And if it means paying money up front in order to save money on the back end and move on, then there's the potential that he just did that as well by shifting around that. And I understand $95,000 difference. That's, that's more than a base level uh, position player or an American defensive back or a backup defensive lineman that gives you debt. Like it's a valuable amount of money. So I'm not out here saying conspiracy theory, they shifted his money and they're just going to cut him and move on or trade him anyways. But what I am saying is maybe if they pay the money up front and they find something that they like better through training camp or early in the season, what's to say he doesn't end up playing for a fifth team in three I mean it, oh we're gosh. kind of at that point in the conversation like it's if somebody finds a need because there's always going to be a team that doesn't get the quarterback play they think they're going to get well Arbuckle again could be somebody where they say well the other guys just didn't tap the potential out of him there's lots there that we could get I, I remember this great quote talking about accuracy from Mike Leach where he said when kids go from high school to university and they're not accurate University coaches say, well, I can fix that because I know how to teach accuracy to a quarterback. And then when they go from the university ranks to the pros, the pro coaches always say, well, he was inaccurate in university, but that was because of the coaching. I can fix him. I can. And it's kind of how I feel people view Arbuckle right now is they view some of these inefficiencies taking the ball vertically down the field. And they say, well, let me fix that. Like, I think I can get the most out of him. And we'll see whether or not Edmonton decides to get that out of him this season. I I feel like I never bought the, hey, it, it could be Cornelius. You and I talked about that on, on no. this show. It's just, I, I've seen that movie. He can throw the ball through a brick wall, but <laughs> he will throw the ball through a receiver's chest because he'll hum it 100 miles an hour from four feet away, and that's not how you, how you do it. I can feel- I get my Cornelius slander just off my chest here before we move along? Because uh, I, I, do, I do feel the need to just be very clear about this. Okay, yeah. What- Go, uh, I'll give you uh, 45 seconds on the clock. Yeah, Go ahead. I don't even, I don't even need that. I, I just, I have, there are 30 heat chart zones that I use to judge quarterbacks. Okay. Five <laughs> across and six vertical. He is below the CFL average in 24 of those 30 
zones when it comes to completion percentage. Yep. Like, and I understand Edmonton was bad, but like, that's not a thing. Like, that's not, nobody wants to see that on the field again, regardless of the offensive system, the receivers, anything else. He's not that guy. Like, and I, I get what you're saying about throwing it as hard as he possibly can, but it's so much more than that. It, the footwork and the timing and the accuracy, all those things is just, he ain't it, man. So it's either Arbuckle or somebody else to me, and they would be silly, I think, to even have him in camp. And just to see the way the fans will talk about those two guys, speaking of Arbuckle and Cornelius, makes me go, again, we're in love with arm strength, and we're not in love with what should be known as arm talent. Like, you know, yes. accuracy, being able to put the ball on a guy's frame, not sending your receiver to the hospital with a ball across <laughs> the middle, five yards behind him. Uh, I was happy to see the the Elks taking Nick Arbuckle, like you said. And honestly, for, for what Steven McAdoo does and for how much Chris Jones, in my mind, doesn't care about offense, I think Nick Arbuckle could absolutely flourish in this offense. Uh, in Edmonton. He's Marshall Ferguson with us every Thursday. You can read him at CFL.ca. You can catch his uh, stuff at Canadian Football Perspective as well. Uh, and he will not be outside in minus 30 weather, but that's okay. We still like you anyway, buddy. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take my dog for a nice negative uh, 10 walk. And in honor of everybody out there in Saskatchewan listening and being nice enough to follow along on the sports cage here when I join, I will do it in nothing more than a, than a long sleeve and a pair of long underwear for you guys. Okay, I'll try to ch I'll tone down the clothing I'm wearing to try and recreate negative 30, but I don't think it'll work. And now all I have is a lingering picture of Marshall Ferguson <laughs> in long underwear. It's going to be a long day. Thank you, brother. Thanks, DT. Have a great night. Marshall Ferguson with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. This segment for Nick's service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781 1077. It's 449. Glenn Suter at 505 in the cage. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM is on the air. Call us with your thoughts. 306-936-6262. Out of town, call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Now back to DT and the panel. Oh, we have got a great suggestion for Olympic men's hockey on the text line that we'll get to after the sports ticker. The Scotties in Assiniboia. Sherry Anderson defeated Robin Silvernagel 10-7 in the morning draw. That was a matchup of the last two Saskatchewan representatives at the Nationals. Chelsea Carey opened with an 11-4 win over Jessica Mitchell in the 3 o'clock draw. Ashley Howard up 6-3 on Michelle Englott. That threw 6. And Krista Ellingson up 5-4 on Brett Barber. That one threw 6 as well. And the Montreal Alouettes welcome back Hall of Fame quarterback Anthony Calvillo to the fold. He is their quarterback coach once again, and they've hired Jeff Reinbold as their special teams coach. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. The Jeff Reinbold news. Uh, Arash Madani with his prediction of that on Tuesday. It's we like will, he knew. <laughs> yeah, we will we'll discuss. Because it opens up the question of, okay, well, if he's not retiring, I mean, if I live in Hawaii, I'm retired and I'm just leaving. But mm. if he's not retiring, what's you know, why did he leave Hamilton? So we're left with he immediately got another job. So why why is he out from Hamilton in the first place? When you people will say you're one of the great special teams coaches in the CFL? Something I wonder if there was something there. We'll run that by Arash Madani. Coming up, the text line, 306-936-6262. Uh, it's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. We were lamenting the rosters that will be thrown out for men's Olympic hockey. 
Uh, there were 15 names. Of the 15 names I threw at you, Abby, for the U.S. men's Olympic team, how many did you recognize? Uh, zero, actually. Yeah. There was uh, one that I was like, maybe I've heard that name, but it, I feel it could have been like a brother or a cousin. Yeah, or uh, I mean, Mielli could have been the appliance company that I'm thinking of, but An- Andy Mielli, maybe, maybe I've heard of that one. So unrecognizable crew, mix of old guys and young guys. Bert Wilson on the text line. Bert, thank you for this, has a suggestion. He says, with the excitement created by the naming of the U.S. men's Olympic ice hockey team today, it's clear a tabletop hockey tournament should replace the entire hockey portion of these games. I can't wait for the movie the Americans would make if they won that competition. Man, that well, that would be the thing, right? The movie Miracle doesn't have the same bite if if every other team is full of absolute unknowns as well. Miracle in the Den. Man, a lot. I could go for some table hot like, because at least there'd be something. I honestly don't want to see, I don't know, subpar senior men's hockey determine who's the best team in the world. You know what? I don't when, want that. When was the last time you played table t- tabletop hockey? I used to love it. I haven't played it in... I don't know, probably 20 years, maybe. God, my favorite cousins had like a super fancy one with, that stands. And you the dropped big, the puck from the, the top? Dome. Oh, it had the double. It had the dome over the top, so it automated it and kept score. Oh. And it was one you would see like at Ballers, but they had it in their basement. And I'm like, this is amazing. And then they would just beat me 9 nothing, and then it got a lot less fun after that. Yeah. Yeah. Table hockey, that was that was good stuff. When I was younger, I, I remember getting. I remember when I was younger, getting the. It was like a cool if you could get the different teams, right? right? So you could like feel different games and stuff, and it wasn't just the same guys. Like yeah. it felt like you were playing it for real, right? Mine, mine was just uh, nondescript white guys in like the Wales conference jerseys and the Campbell conference jerseys. That's all. There was no specific team. You couldn't get like the Flames or the. I don't know if it would have been the Atlanta Flames at the time, but it was just like. Oh, these uh, the Prince of Wales jerseys. Oh, okay. Sounds like the same time that Gretzky was on the cereal box for uh, what were they called? Pro, Pro stars? stars. Yeah, <laughs> right around that era, I think. Yeah. yeah. God, man, was there anything better than the '80s? Pro Stars cereal. <laughs> Him and Bo Jackson just ripping it up. Uh, there was. It just brought to mind there was a random. Was it an Esso commercial where they poured oil down and Gretzky was skating across a concrete floor covered in their oil because Esso oil was the best oil in the world? Like, all right. Yeah, whatever works. All I mean. right. And now he's he's just, it keeps on going for uh, Wayne Gretzky. Now TV personality, Wayne Gretzky. with And the, friends uh, of Kid Rock. Boo. Is he really? Uh, yeah, I don't want to go there, though, because it's, it's yeah. got a whole... It's got a whole theme to it, right? So anyways, whatever. Yeah, there's some social media stuff where I don't know if they were golfing. I'm assuming they were. Okay. Hanging out and stuff. And yeah. Anyways, we'll leave that. (laughs) Kid Rock made some good music back in the day, though. Oh, yeah. For sure he did. That remake of the Alabama song. Now he's just got an anti-COVID song and that's it. But. Oh, I... See, I have I have too many podcasts in my rotation. I don't. I'm not up on the hip music like you are. That's. Well, I wouldn't say it's hip. I just. Uh, it's a statement. It's, it's current though. It's a statement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Do yourself a favor when you're bored later. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, Anthony Calvillo back with the Montreal Alouettes. Which rider? Which former rider? Will make a good head coach. I. We said Cody Fajardo. We've had suggestions for Weston Dressler and Darian Durant. Uh, Manny Arsenault, who's doing some training. I mean, he's still kind of, I think, trying to be in football, like in professional football. He's doing some training of athletes. That's a guy who 
would have instant credibility with guys up here. May not have been the best route runner there ever was, but that dude caught footballs and that dude can sell it. I, I think I think he would make a great one. Not that he's retired yet, but maybe at some point Charleston Hughes. If he would give up more to the people he's teaching than he tells the media, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he might have to divulge a few secrets at that point, but uh you know, he's definitely got the he's got the personality for it and uh, I'm sure his guys would love him, so. Well, and and you would watch him uh, in the 2019 season with the Riders and he's sharing stuff with everybody, right? He's he and Micah Johnson are fantastic for, hey, here's what you do. And I I I could not explain to you what they're doing, but when they're teaching McKenna Henry and AC Leonard things with their hands and how they move their arms and how you dip this. It was very clear that, okay, yeah, you guys get it. And you know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, Char- God, Charleston was just, I remember the, the first game in BC and BC center, Philip Norman had a thing where he bobbed his head and then he snapped the ball. And Charleston saw that and just absolutely abused them for like three sacks. And then AC Leonard, he whispered to AC Leonard and AC Leonard got a sack because Philip Norman would bob his head, snap the ball. He's like, well, the second he starts bobbing his head, I'm taking off. So went to him at practice. He's like, what are you talking about? I have no idea. I'm like, Charles, come on. <laughs> yeah. you, when Norman, if I noticed Norman bobbing his head and you taking off, you ver- you were doing that. His, I don't know what you're talking about. If he's going to do that for his guys. Hey, Charleston, how'd you get 130 sacks? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's not going to be a great coach, but he would have, I mean, Charleston's not a guy who is he's it's not exactly that Weston Dressler mode, but Charleston isn't overpoweringly big, right? Like 6'1, 240 isn't isn't physically height weight dominant, but there are very few in the history of the game better than Charleston at getting to the quarterback. So there's gotta be a lot that he's learned slash taught himself that he could pass on. I like that one. Yeah, real student Charleston, of the game for sure. Yeah, yeah. but who knows? Who knows? Not with Toronto anymore. Is he going to play this year? I guess we'll find out. Maybe he'll end up in a coaching role. Who knows? You never know. It is 4.58. Uh, 5 o'clock hour, Glenn Suter, Arash Madani, Aaron Karolnik talks NFL at 6.05. All coming. News is next on 6.20 CKRM. Suits, we are, well, we're trolling for, hey, what current or former rider would make a great coach with Anthony Calvillo going back to the Montreal Alouettes as a quarterback coach? Did you ever want to get into coaching at a professional level? Yeah, I did. You know, and I, I still think it would be interesting. I, you know, I've, I've all often thought that either coaching or in administration and moving up the ladder, paying your dues, but moving up the ladder on that side, you know, of the equation would be interesting too, you know, through the scouts and then maybe GM, but even, even beyond that, if you if you break it into threes, the the coaching, and then GM personnel, and then president business model. I'm even thinking of commissioner, you know, commissioner well, looking, Glenn looking there. You know, looking there, yeah. league office for sure, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, don't don't do anything that gets you off the track for commissioner because we were stumping <laughs> pretty hard for you in 2020. <laughs> You had well. We still we have a commissioner right now. <laughs> oh, I you're okay. I now I understand. I'm being indelicate. I understand. Okay, now I'm with so you. The chair the chair is not vacant at this moment. So we'll yeah. We'll see. Did you see down the road? Did you have a teammate who maybe didn't go into coaching, but you thought, oh man, that guy would have been actually really good at this. 
Uh, yeah, a few actually. You know, I you know I think of sort of the well, Kent Austin was an automatic, and you know he did, and he yeah. did go in and become a GM and head coach, and is still coaching. But that was an automatic. You could see that he was running our offense when he was playing, and was really the offensive coordinator at the time. I think Tom Burgess would have been in that category. Different personality, but um, he'd be one of those guys who would remind me of Richie Hall, who, you know, would would give you the 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 ingredients you need, but would have this great demeanor that no matter where you went, high or low in a game, he would have this just even keeled demeanor and be saying, hey, what, did you expect that you'd be challenge free through this game no of course yeah. you're gonna have challenges and you're gonna have to overcome them so i think i think tom burgess was a bit uh, bobby jurison i think has dabbled in it he did it in uh in college down south um uh, some camps the only thing about bobby as a coach is he he doesn't suffer fools i mean he doesn't he, he this guy is going to get in your chili if if you're not doing what he wants you to do i mean and i'm not saying in a nice polite you know the coaching where you sandwich two good things and then the criticism <laughs> is in the middle yeah yeah and, and you know you bring the good thing and then you criticize or you or you correct and then you add the the good thing at the end and sandwich it yeah, he, he's just eating the meat right in the middle of that sandwich. There is no bun on either side there. Yeah. Suda, that was terrible. Let me tell you why. Boop, ba -doop, ba -doop. By the way, you did the wrong thing here, too. Like, that was okay. That's his yeah. – yeah, that's that. – I, that's got a style. I mean, there are so many different styles, and we were talking about this yesterday with, uh, with Chris Jones. They're just – there aren't many coaches like Chris Jones is really a unique character. And you mentioned Richie Hall. I want to go on Richie Hall for a second. Richie Hall, I mean, lengthy history, but he's almost a guy that you could forget is in the league because he does not get promote. Well, he doesn't promote himself much at all. I was, I was shocked to learn he wrote a book. He came in and talked about his book with us one day. Um, he's, he's just a guy who is just excellent at his job, but doesn't, I don't know that he's ever told anybody, "Hey, I'm excellent at my job, by the way, and look at my Grey Cup rings." No, he he'll, he he Richie and I were very very close when we played together in Saskatchewan that '89 run and and even the year before that. In fact, we would have our own unique sort of warm up by ourselves where we do sit ups and stretching and things like that to to create an edge that we we felt that other players in our positions across the league there's no way they can be put doing 300 sit-ups before practice starts there's no way it might have been 30 or it might have been 180 i whatever it was at the time um it was just to find one little edge and it was more mental for us than it was you know comparing what other guys were doing in the league it was it was sort of we're doing it they must not be doing it that gives us a half a split second edge yeah in a in a game and and i know richie really well and i can tell you he is the most selfless uh team oriented do his job guy with his door always open to the players he will get to know you he will know your family he'll understand the importance of that with every single player that he works with and i mean Talk to any player in Winnipeg right now and ask them about Richie Hall and you will hear very similar answer from every single one of them and how much they admire the guy.
Well, and I, when I look at it, and I have no particular inside knowledge of it, but when you see, hey, oh, Willie took a big pay cut to go back to the Bombers, and Adam Bighill took a big pay cut to go back to the Bombers, that's some of that credit has to go to Richie Hall. And hey, we like playing for Richie. That that a defensive coordinator would take Willie Jefferson and go, yeah, you know what? If you want to do something different on this play, you go to town. There are guys who would not give up that control for various reasons, but uh, Richie Hall has done it, and with that collection of talent, uh, they were he was able to do incredible things with with and, the guys and, that were given to him. Yeah, and a, and a head coach in Michael O'Shea that has has allowed his assistants and especially his coordinators to have that freedom to you know to basically give them empower them to to run their defense, run their offense, and and let them do it without micromanaging. And I, I think that's as important too. You kind of give them, as long as you know the player or the person, yeah. and you know that that person is going to be that guy that will have an open door policy, will be able to talk to players, will be able to give them freedom like Willie Jefferson and what he does with a lot of those players, including Adam, let them uh, you know, take control of the locker room They've got that worked out in, in Winnipeg, and that's one of the reasons they're back-to-back champions. Yeah, and it, it's why it kind of warms my heart. Every time uh, you guys will do a broadcast, and oh, there's Richie Hall up in the in the booth. You go, yeah, there, that's a guy who, who honestly needs more love because I think if you threw at regular CFL fans who were the best defensive coordinators in the league, I feel like Richie might get forgotten for a little bit. They'd be, well, okay, well, Orlando and Hamilton does great things, and now Chris Jones and Rick Campbell, and eventually and Richie, I think, would get pushed to the side, even though that's, that's now back-to-back Grey Cups for him in that uh, fantastic, fantastic defense. Uh, we should talk about the Edmonton Elks here at 515. Uh, Nick Arbuckle, hundred grand to sign, according to Dave Naylor, 340 in total for the coming season. My kind of impression is, my belief is, when you give a guy a hundred grand signing bonus, you're telling him he's the starter. Am I? Am I on? Am I off? Is it still up in the air in your mind? Well, I, I understand that thinking, and I know it. You know, we talk about that in in all sports on the radio and and you know in in print and in, in social media, where you you look at a guy's contract and you say, well, if you're gonna spend that and make that investment in a player, he's got to play. He's got to be your guy. And, and you start to make those comparables across the league. But, you know, the, the fundamentals of it are the best quarterback in training camp has got to be the guy who plays. I mean, it, it, if it's the guy that is the third string guy making 70 grand a year because he's a brand new guy to the league, but he has a great camp and is heading over heels better than Nick Arbuckle, then it's got to be that guy because – the players know who should be playing and who shouldn't be or who aren't quite ready yet. And if the coach then says, well, we're paying him all that money, so we got to play this guy, it, it just doesn't work. It starts to erode the integrity of your locker room. And I, I, I hear it all the time, and I know we do it. Yeah. And, it, and there's something to be said about it. I mean, when you do make an investment in a player, you, boy, you sure hope he's got the guy. Because you've invested a lot of money, especially a signing bonus, guaranteed signing money, bonus. yeah, yeah. So, so you've got to, you've got to hope that he's going to be the guy that you've scouted and brought in and watched and know he's going to be that guy. So you're putting a lot of money into it, um, but you also have to have the humility to look in the mirror and say, "We made a mistake there. Maybe he's not the guy, because we've got another guy that's better, and we got to play him because he's better." And you know, I. 
I hear it all the time, but that's way a locker rooms really have to work that way. If coach starts to go away from that and just play a guy because of his contract or play him because he's his guy from another team, but is not the best player in that training camp, that's a problem. As you were saying that, uh, it, it was it Nick Foles with Philadelphia in like 2019 where they said, oh, we had to give him $22 million because if we didn't, nobody would respect him. And I go, man, money and football are weird. They are weird. I got to Google that up during the, the halftime. Oh, if we didn't give him a big raise, nobody would have respected him in the locker room. Maybe you have the wrong guy and you should save. twenty Suits, crazy. if you don't pay me $20 play, million. The- dollars, Come on. Yeah, that's that's crazy, DT. That's... The play the players don't think that way. I'm telling you right now, the players don't think that way. I mean, hey, everybody wants their teammate to make as much money as they possibly can. And yeah. that that goes across the board in pro sports, any any league. But you don't sit there going, Well, they gave him that much, so well, they're gonna play him and and unless a coach does that, unless he goes away from the fundamentals of the game, which is the best guys in the room play. That's it. Yeah, which it's simple. Which, if Edmonton is going with Nick Arbuckle, that's to me that's the best guy in the room that's that's going to be playing because, uh, like we talked about with Marshall Ferguson last hour, I've seen the Taylor Cornelius show and uh, it it should be canceled after one season. Not like that LA to Vegas, which was a great show and will never come back. But what can you do? It's five nineteen. We continue <laughs> with suits. We'll talk plenty more CFL. Your texts and calls as well at three zero six nine three six sixty two sixty two. The Sports Cage. 620 CKRM. Proud to be your voice of the Riders, the Pats, the Rams, and all sports in our province. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 521, after all the wondering and hand-wringing, the Elks redid a one-year contract with quarterback Nick Arbuckle. TSN's Dave Naylor says $340,000 salary, $100,000 up front. Stampeders re-signing receiver Reggie Bagleton. The Bombers re-upping all-star right tackle Jamarcus Hardrick. And the Luther Invitational has been canceled for a second straight year. COVID making it impossible to host the premier high school basketball tournament in the city fine tailored suits with glenn Suter continues uh suits reggie bagleton or duke williams testing you oh oh man i'm testing <laughs> can i have them both <laughs> uh since can one's a writer's both? free agent no you can't because uh reggie bagleton's <laughs> back with the stampeders and if duke goes to the stamps i i don't know what we're gonna do yeah both both great you know just just both great players in, in sort of different ways, but uh, you know, both capable of, of the whole spectrum. So they're not just deep threats. They're not just possession route runners. They're not just yak guys. They do it all. And they, they're like the G Roy Simons, the, you know, the guys that can beat you deep. They can beat you on a route. They can make you miss great hands, obviously, but man, I, I'd be, it'd be, <laughs> That's that's a pick 'em. That's 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 a one one eight deal. Right yeah, there. and and I feel like you just uh, I go with what I know, right? If you are the Riders and and you, I mean, there's no chance you're signing uh, Reggie Bagleton now, but the Riders need to sign Duke Williams. I don't think any of us has ever particularly strayed from that. Uh, so uh, if we if we just say, hey, among receivers who are free agents, we need Duke Williams back. We know Kean Schaefer Baker is back. 
what else do you think the Riders could could slash maybe should is the better way target as far as receivers go in free agency? Knowing you got you got your young guys, guys like Braden Lenius are now out of contract, uh, and we we all want Duke Williams back. Where else would you where else would you be looking? Do you think? Well, Duke for sure. You know, I mean that that's absolutely because he also brings a mentality to the team that I to that group that that group on the team, the receiving core, and I so that's important too. That's not measurable. Mm-hmm. But but the you know I, I I would be absolutely kicking the tires on does Brian Burnham work, and I'm talking about any team, and I mean does he work financially in your system because that's going to be a tough one. Um, to work if you if you have re-signed Shaq and you've re-signed Duke and you've re-signed or, you, or you've got those salaries on the books, um, you know Burnham might not be realistic. But I'm kicking the tires on that. If any team in the league he hits free agency, I, I think that I think the the Riders signing Duke and the Lions re-signing Burnham are the two biggest priorities I think in the league almost yeah lucky whitehead still out there which I mean Burnham's got a both those guys have longer CFL track records than lucky whitehead but man whitehead you saw it more than a few times in person that guy was absolutely electric in that BC offense uh Gino Lewis is back in Montreal already yeah there's I mean as far as super elite receivers go yeah, yeah. If uh, honest to goodness, so it, if the if the Riders signed Burnham, like I would, my head would explode from yeah, joy. I, I would yeah, not yeah. be around for the season because I would be, I would die. My head would explode from joy. What? Why not? Why not? Oh, them? if if the money is close and they can find a way, why not them? I mean, Brian Brian Burnham looked at times a little frustrated. What happens with Michael Riley before we get to the season? Is there a restructuring of his contract before we get to training camp? And if so, is he going to be okay with that? Or is he looking to maybe finish his career somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's up in the air. So, you know, Burnham doesn't know who his quarterback's going to be. He's a free agent and he's looking around and to play at Mosaic with the Grey Cup at mosaic stadium in november hey why not why not give him a sales pitch if it works financially you know and and the other thing about you know the the need for the saskatchewan rough riders i think they can go young guys and not necessarily overspend i mean take brian out of the burn him out of the equation for a sec they don't need to overspend on a guy that they're hoping about you know, if, if it's a Burnham, if it was a Bagleton, if it was a guy like that, then yeah, you, you know, you know, the investment is a solid one. But if you're talking about now a guy that is, you know, on the bubble, maybe uh, a little too old, maybe coming off a couple of bad seasons, but he has a, like a Darrell Walker. That's the name saying, I was going to give you, yeah. Yeah, you're not sure what you're going to get from him, but now you're going to overspend. I don't think you have to do that. I think they can go and get young and bring in some free agents that can fly. They got to bring in some speed to stretch the field, give more room to the Schaefer Bakers and you know the Kyron Moores and and Duke and get yeah. him re-signed. But yeah, I, I think they can do that young. They don't have to overspend in free agency there. All right, uh, suits. You you can be the GM in this little role play that we will do. 
and I will be the agent. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, Glenn, I now represent Brian Burnham. He wants to be the highest paid receiver in the Canadian Football League. So uh, take what uh, X team is playing, paying Y receiver and uh, add five grand to it, and Brian Burnham can be yours. Would you make him the highest paid receiver? Is he a guy you would make the highest paid receiver in the Canadian Football League? I, I would say the, to Mr. Age and DT, I would say, look, we, we can talk dollars and cents, but let's talk and bring your player in the room and talk about what it feels like to play at a jam-packed mosaic stadium. Let's talk about that first. <laughs> let's let's get Brian Burnham so psyched up about being a member of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders that we can talk about salary structure. We can talk about maybe some opportunities in the community in Saskatchewan and the local areas in Regina, Saskatoon, the speaking engagements that are possible, the fandom that is in that province. Let's get him really fired up. And then we will <laughs> we will we will structure his contract. <laughs> Suits is the you just put out a job advertisement without including any salary on it, and then they get through four interviews. They're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, it's it's twelve dollars an hour," and then we all go bonkers. You're selling them on all the other stuff, but I mean, there's a guy if he ever decided to leave BC would absolutely shake the league up. And yeah, like I say, it, he's absolutely one of my favorite players in the Canadian Football League. And if he ended up with the Riders, and I got to call him making those. I watched, uh, just as an aside, I watched the CFL did like the top 50 players, of 50 plays of all time. TSN had one uh, over mm -hmm. the holidays. And no surprise, there were a zillion Burnham ones. But him with a guy draped all over him in the right end zone in BC in 2019, and he makes a one-handed catch as he falls to the ground. You go, I, I just don't know what you do. But you celebrate a guy who can do that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and you know, to, to answer your question directly, though, about the money, uh, again, there, there is a there is a limit here. I mean, there is a limit. How old is Brian now? I I want to say thirty three. Oh, no. uh, let me let me Google that up while you make your point. Yeah, but my my thought being that there there is a limit. You will get another great season. You'll get a couple more great seasons from Brian Burnham, but. You know, you just, it's its a little longer in recovery from game to game. It's, you know, you get, if you're on the wrong side of 30, it it just, it, it's a little bit more of a struggle every single game out. Yeah. And that starts to show at times. And I'm not saying it has with Brian Burnham yet. And I think he's got a couple of great years left in him, like, like superior years that we've seen in the past, but there would be a limit financially. He'll be 32 when the season starts. Just by comparison, uh, Duke Williams will be 29 uh, when the yeah. season gets underway. Uh, Suits, thank you, brother. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, thanks, DT. Take Glenn, care. Glenn Suter, fine tailored suits, brought to you by Quality Tire, 10 locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. It is 5.30, Arash Madani. We'll talk Novak Djokovic. We'll, he's got some inside scoop on Jeff Reinbold, Antonio Brown, and so much more coming on The Cage. Live from the sports cage, it's Derek Taylor and the panel. To have your say, call 306-936-6262. Out of town, call toll-free 1-866-767-0620. The Source, 620 CKRM. 532 on a Thursday. 
Time to bring in our friend Arash Madani of Sportsnet, who, live on the air on Tuesday, said, oh, hey, by the way, those two personnel guys from Ottawa may end up in Montreal. Boom, they're in Montreal. And then said, oh, hey, Jeff Reinbold, I don't think he's done in the Canadian Football League. And then, boom, Arash, he is not done in the Canadian Football League. And what I have to tell you is tomorrow's Lotto Max winning numbers, Derek, uh, are... Yeah, go. Yeah. Oh, you were you were joking. That's that's really mean, actually. It's DT. I would come on with you Tuesday if I won on Friday. I think that might be the most entertaining segment we'd ever have. That would be that would be pretty good. Uh, so Jeff Reinbold signs up. He is the new special teams coordinator with the Montreal Alouettes, having been the special teams coordinator with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And when he left the Tiger Cats, he put it out on Twitter. I, I thought, oh, I wonder if he's. Is he, is he done coaching? What's going to happen? And it turns out less than a week later, he's in Montreal or whatever the time frame is. Forgive me if I get it wrong. Uh, he's all of a sudden in Montreal. And then I, I work back and I go, well, then why is he not in Hamilton anymore if he's one of the elite special teams coordinators in the CFL? What's the deal here? Somebody had to be the fall guy for the Grey Cup, DT. That's what this is. Make no mistake about it. And this went above Orlando Steinauer's pay grade, is what I'm led to believe on this. And that has been the quiet scuttlebutt across league circles that, <clears throat> look, let's remember how the Grey Cup was effectively not won by Winnipeg, but lost by Hamilton with sending a rookie American into the end zone and the, the two single points given up yeah. at home. In Hamilton, uh, I'm told that uh, Reinbold was effectively told by somebody that you're done. Really? Yes. That is... The same people that who told harsh. me Reinbold was going to Montreal. Yeah. And not just one person. I mean, this is sourced. Yeah. So it wasn't going to be Orlando Steinauer who was going to take the fall for that. Steinauer is now the president of football operations with the Tiger Cats. So something happened after Grey Cup Sunday and last week, what was that, two, three weeks span? It's weird to think about the Grey Cup being played in mid-December. Yeah. Um, But before the holidays, right around the holidays, um, is when I was told this. So probably a week, 10 days, two weeks after the Grey Cup ended, that somebody was going to take the fall for what happened with those special teams blunders, and it ended up being run. Well, and and then that that being true, that kills the narrative of although that wasn't a big deal. What we what we were sold after the Grey Cup was Mike O'Shea saying, "Oh yeah, no, that's that's a smart play," and oh those those weren't a big deal. If it costs a dude his job, that's a big de- that's evidence afterward that those plays were an enormous deal, like we had been saying the game doesn't go to overtime without them exactly hamilton celebrating at home a champion without them that was mike o'shea doing a mike o'shea thing which was taking a bullet for his fellow coaching brethren for his fellow special teams brethren which is where mike cut his teeth coming up in the ranks a show of respect for both steinauer and for reinbold and it also goes to show you just how much a line goes on in football. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. You know, the Antonio Brown situation, we're watching this all unfold this week, it just lies everywhere. But also, <laughs> if you go back to Reinbold's statement, DT, in late December, 
he doesn't say, he says, all good things must come to an end, and so is my time in Hamilton. This is not I'm retiring. This is not I'm off to live the good life. He didn't really make it sound either like this is totally my decision. Mm-hmm. He said, the time is up. And in a business where nobody tells the truth, the football business, um, I don't know if this is going to spill out. Eventually, you know, it feels like the tea eventually spills. Maybe it's next season before a Ticats Alouettes game. Maybe it's right after if, I don't know, Montreal takes a kick back to the house to win it. Wouldn't that be poetic, uh, poetic <laughs> justice, so to speak? Um, but I will tell you that, that, that Jeff Reinbold ended up being the fall guy for what happened in Hamilton's Grey Cup loss which outside of Manitoba, I think everybody would agree, was a Hamilton Grey Cup loss, not a Blue Bombers Grey Cup win. I think that is fair to say. He's the Rash Medani of Sportsnet with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. You mentioned Antonio Brown. We have to talk about both Antonio Brown and Novak Djokovic because both these situations (laughs) are, are absolutely bonkers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers today officially waving Antonio Brown. They, they put out a statement saying he was cleared to play by our medical team prior to the start of the game, and at no point during the game did he indicate to our medical staff that he could not play. Brown had previously said he told them he was too injured to keep playing. Uh, statement goes on to say, we have attempted multiple times throughout the week to schedule an evaluation by an outside orthopedic specialist, yet Antonio has not complied unsurprisingly Antonio Brown says much the opposite I told them I was hurt I told them I couldn't go they told me to get out and and on and on and on it's he said he said however even though maybe they're not telling 100% the truth the, the Buccaneers are going to have way more credibility in this whole thing the truth is probably somewhere in the middle the Bucks will end up winning because big business always wins but DT, I don't think the Bucks are going to win this thing the way they think they are going to win by just cutting Antonio Brown loose and away he goes. There is going to be involvement now from the NFL Players Association because Antonio Brown's a vet, Antonio Brown is hurt, and Antonio Brown was injured playing football and he was on the injury report that week. Mm-hmm. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can't just cut him. There's going to have to be... like. What I don't understand about this, other than pure ego and hubris, is the Bucks could have very quietly, well, not very quietly with AB involved, but they could have put him on injured reserve and put the basically paid him the game check from the Jets debacle this week, given him his playoff money, and paid for his surgery and rehab and done with it. Instead, now what do you have? You have Bruce Arians continuing to not only address it on a Thursday, but usually he doesn't even speak to the media on Thursday. Hmm. It continues to be a distraction. AB is posting about Tom Brady and Tom Brady's personal fitness trainer and nutritionist, Alex Guerrero. It seems like Brown is trying to burn the house down on the way out. And I don't know if the entire structure has come down, but there's some damage there. There's some real damage to within the locker room there for a Tampa team that already has lost Chris Godwin for the year, now is missing Brown as a weapon, and Gronk is suddenly looking his age. Yeah. Oh, they're they're in trouble for sure, but I think everything you spelled out there 
to me makes sense of why you would cut why you would cut Antonio Brown and if you have to go back afterward and deal with okay we need to give him some more money because he was injured cool but get him out of here yes but you could also do the same thing by just putting him on injured reserve and a lot of the drama goes away because when the when when Arians came out Sunday and said he's no longer a buck mm-hmm. he's effectively saying he's cut he's done it's over with Suddenly Brown's now saying, wait a minute, I was hurt. I told you I was hurt. I couldn't play because I was hurt. None of this talk about the throat slash, you're out of here. A lot of Antonio Brown's statement yesterday doesn't come to light if the Buccaneers said Antonio was hurt. That's usually not the way we want to see a player leave the field, but he couldn't play anymore. We're going to put him on injured reserve. His season is over. Yeah. So much of the air is out of the balloon, except it's a macho, <laughs> testosterone-filled, ego-driven business. I'm glad you mentioned the throat slash, because I'd forgot about that for a second. In in As we try to decide, well, who do we all believe as individuals? Do we believe Arians and the Bucks? Do we believe Antonio Brown? Antonio Brown's statement said that, Essentially, I don't think he necessarily named the coach, but saying Coach Arians made the throat slash gesture to him, and that's how he told him he was. I'm like, really, Coach? Coach gave you one of these? The thing that's banned from the NFL? He gave you the throat slash gesture? Really? I'm 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 not buying that. Other stuff might have happened. Get the hell out of here. Might have happened, but he gave you the throat slash. I uh, that one struck me as very very questionable. All, all we were missing was Paul Bearer, an urn, a tombstone, and uh, and a dark trench coat from from Bruce Arians. Uh, Undertaker references coming in hot here on the sports cage. Novak Djokovic is still in Australia, and he still will not play in the Aussie Open in one of the more bizarre situations there are. And it just got just got so much better when his family started talking to the media. Uh, For folks who don't know, Djokovic was trying to win, is going to try to win, he had hoped, his 10th Aussie Open title and his 21st major title. Got a medical exemption from the Australian Open tournament, but the Australian government said no, no. When he arrived yesterday, he's like, no, you can't come in because you're not vaccinated and la, la, la. He's currently apparently being put up in a hotel, which his family says is not a very nice hotel, and his family had some quotes that showed up in the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, Arash, are you, I see you're sitting, adequately brace yourself for Novak Djokovic's family. Are you ready? I, I And I'm looking at the same quote, so I'm going to read along with you, DT. These are beautiful. Novak Djokovic's brother, and this is quoted in the Sydney Morning Herald, quote, Jesus was crucified on the cross, but he is still alive among us. They are trying to crucify and belittle Novak and throw him to his knees. Perfectly normal statement from a family member. And then he went on to say (laughs) that Novak was taken to a migrant hotel, to a dirty room without any belongings, which he was told his belongings would return to him upon... His return to Europe. Um, the brother also went on to say that he was treated like a criminal while he's a healthy and decent man. 
Garrett, like now you have the president of Serbia involved in this. Oh, that, yeah. This is a witch hunt. Like, look, this is a political statement by Australia. There's no question. It is a political win for the federal government of Australia that tells its citizens, hey, we've had the longest lockdowns of anywhere else in the world. We've said if you want to come in here, you have to be vaccinated. This is easy for them. But the circus, the song and dance, the sideshow, the vigil outside the Park Plaza Hotel oh. where Novak is in a room with insects and bugs. Oh. The humanity of it all, DT. I feel like Jesus lived in suboptimal conditions, so I feel like maybe Novak could... Uh, Abby, let me get your take on this. Uh, you should never at any point compare something or yourself to Jesus the Holocaust, or Martin Luther King? Anything else you'd put on that list? Like, you can't compare yourself to Jesus. Or you no. can't compare your brother to Jesus. No, that's... That's a no-go. Am I okay with that? Yeah, I'd say that's off limits, yep. Okay. Uh, Arash, anything else you would add to the no-go comparison list, including Jesus, the Holocaust, and Martin Luther King? Kyrie that's Irving. A, that's a pretty good... Uh, God. That's a pretty good top three. Who's the fourth to make it Mount Rushmore? We we do need a four. We do need a fourth one Could in there. Be the Pope of things. I mean, uh, 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 I don't know. Pope opposed to Jesus is that too? Is that too religious? Uh, I guess it depends on which Pope we're talking about. Uh, but uh, Djokovic's mother called called her son quote a sacrificial lamb and quote a revolutionary who is changing the world. Okay. Uh, quote, I hope they won't clip his wings as they had intended, she said. We will give him power and energy with prayers and kind messages to remain true to himself. Novak Djokovic, anti-vaxxer, is a revolutionary who is changing the world. I know, like, my mom uh, thought I was way better than I was, too. But come on. What are we doing here? I, I will tell you this, DT. Um, in 2013, I did a Davis Cup, Canada versus Serbia, the Davis Cup finals in Belgrade. And Novak had just won the U.S. Open on a Sunday. Uh, when you win the Open, you have obligations on Monday you have to fulfill. He had an event Tuesday in New York. He flew Wednesday from New York to Belgrade from playing the hardcourt summer series, lands Thursday, one day of practice, indoor clay, and help Serbia get to the Davis Cup Finals. Novak in Serbia, and, and I, like he is a mythical godlike figure. Okay. Like when they won on the Sunday, in the middle of the press conference, a marching band came into the press conference at the arena and began saluting not the team, Novak. You just saying Novak in Serbia, and people, there's a reverence around him that's just wild and he believes all of this bs to be true he believes it all um so wow. that that's kind of a little bit of context and background where all of this is uh is coming from but the best meme i saw there yeah yeah novak and and roger now tied with 20 grand slams it's 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 roger federer's head superimposed photoshopped onto a border guard looking at a passport 
at at the airport uh, yes. with a smile on his face. Maybe, maybe Rogers behind all of this, DT. Uh, there you go. Novak Djokovic uh, not able to play at the Aussie Open as he tries to get his 21st Grand Slam title. Uh, hearing that description of, uh, of uh, Serbia, I now maybe understand the Jesus comparison a little more because uh, he is a, a treasured one. Uh, the, when the president is on your side, you know you're a big deal. Arash, thank you, brother. Appreciate you again. Okay, do too. Arash Madani of Sportsnet in the Madani Report, brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions. 546-2533. Other side of the break. We'll talk about all the ways that I am like Jesus. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. It's coming up in the cage. Back to the cage with DT and the panel. 620 CKRM. 550 on a Thursday. The sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating. Sherry Anderson defeated Robert Silvernagel 10-7 in the morning draw. That a matchup of the last two Saskatchewan representatives. Chelsea Carey opened with an 11-4 win over Jessica Mitchell. 3 p.m. draw just wrapping up. Ashley Howard, a 7-3 winner over Michelle Englott. That one done after seven ends. And Krista Ellingson with two in the 10th took out Brett Barber 9-8. The final there, that in the B event. Montreal Alouettes welcome back their former Hall of Fame quarterback, Anthony Calvillo. He is their QB coach once again. And as we told you, with a rash, they hired Jeff Reinbold as their special teams coach. Sports ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. Is that the end of any validity to your argument when you compare yourself to Jesus? Well, or you I, compare something to, say, the Holocaust? Yeah, well, I don't want to go that that route, but the Jesus thing, Arash made a really good point, though, and that being that if, if, if I mean, people are worshipping him, basically, right, essentially, uh, he is like an elite figure from Serbia, and they, like, he probably, you know, he probably thinks it, right? His family probably thinks it, that he is His like... His mom does, for he, sure. He is at a totally different level than any other human being, and uh, like I said, his hotel conditions, we were just talking off the air. I'm sure that they're not as bad as it's uh, being made out to be because I'm sure he stays in way nicer places uh, and lives in nicer places that you and I will ever be at, right? So uh, his level level is a little different than uh, the average human being. Yeah, I feel like if you stay, if your hotel level is like, the Burj Al Arab, the seven-star hotel in the Middle yeah. East. I feel like, yeah, you're you're probably you'd be like, what yeah. is this hotel, Saskatchewan? What is this? Yeah. Come on, like, oh, that's a nice hotel. What do you mean? No, no. If there's not somebody massaging me at the door, there's no chance. Uh, it's 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 straight. We don't have that in Canada, do we? Like America wouldn't have. America's a huge country with a, a zillion athletes all over the place. We have love for. Uh, Damian Warner, gold medal decathlete. We we love guys. It's now becoming way more common, but you know the first Canadians that really made an impact in the NBA were special. But like, did we even? Do we think Gretzky was a god back in the day? Not that not to that point where you would right? be comparing him to Jesus and and you know he's holier than thou kind of thing. So uh, not here in Canada. I, yeah, I don't see that for sure. So whether it's something about Serbia as a country or the size of Serbia, I was just. I googled top Serbian athletes, uh, and and 
tell me the ones you recognize. Novak Djokovic is number one in this list. Ana Ivanovic, the tennis player. Nemanja Vidic, the uh, United defender. Uh, Yelena Dokic, a lot of tennis players. Olivera Jevtic, nope, don't know who. So you start to run out very quickly. Vladi Divac, I mean, as, uh, as far as basketball players go, but he retired 20 years ago, whatever it was. Uh, Djokovic might be the best tennis player ever on the men's side. Yeah. Still slightly below Jesus for people who believe in Jesus. So, But again, just, if you are led to believe and you think and you're surrounded by all that, it's pretty pretty easy to... I mean, I, I my brain automatically goes to these um, uh, TV evangelists. Oh, right? my goodness. Like that yeah. they think that they are absolutely 100 dialed in. I'm going to cure your COVID through the television. With, with God and yeah, they'll send you debt reduction water or whatever it may yeah, be like right. they they have these powers that other people don't have and you're like cuckoo right so i'm not saying that Djokovic is that but it if his whole world is just people talking to him like that yeah it'd be pretty easy to think that you are definitely uh that you can walk on water kind of thing is that delusion or is that mental illness because as i get older i start to feel like that might just be mental illness like kanye might just be mental illness i'm the greatest ever Ugh. Yeah, I don't know that your music is as good as you think it is. But, but never walked in the shoes of anybody like that where you, you know, you don't ever think about paying bills and, and that just, it just is a thing. It just happens. Yeah. And you can do whatever you want and go wherever you want and do whatever you are. And you are really, really good at whatever your specific thing is, whether it's being an athlete or a rapper or actor or whatever it may yeah. be. You were just at the at the top of that game. So it's, it's a, a different, yeah, t- Totally different lifestyle for sure. Which can, I mean, can you imagine Djokovic is like, hey, I'm ready to, I'm cleared to play in the Aussie Open. The organizer said I can play, gets to the airport, which as we talked about, got to be the fancy person's airport, not the you and me airport. And all of a sudden they go, no, you can't do this. How often, I mean, how often do people at that level hear no? No. Yeah. Not very often. (laughs) Right? Ever. Like, I mean, you think about, you know, even celebrities and yeah musicians and stuff that they show up at you know events or bars like they 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 don't get to the door and they say you're not coming in here like they'll say get everybody else out because we want to come in here kind of thing you know so i want to market a water specifically for dogs that taste like cats that's a great idea let's do it like you would just it would just be constant yes so it's it's just bizarre I don't know if there's ever been a situation, though, where, where your family getting involved and giving quotes to the media makes things better. It always just seems to make it so much worse. So when his mother says, uh, Jesus was crucified on the cross, and they're trying to crucify and belittle my son. Mom, I love you. Thank you for everything. You've helped make me who I am. Please stop saying Jesus to the media. Please, yeah, please just stop. I wonder why he hasn't gone back yet. Like, is he, I guess he wants to appeal and try to, yeah, hope that he'll get a chance to play. But there is no way the Australian government is. It's like no, not happening. Yeah, you so, can appeal all you want, but no, this is the rule. They, they, the story was they rejected his visa. He's trying to appeal because he wants to play. He's got twenty titles. Roger Federer's twenty titles. He'd have ten Grand Aussie Opens if he wins this. But uh, Arash, I, I think, and you, you make the point there, Arash made the point really well. The Australian government is just going to make an example of this now. Yeah. They can, can you imagine, imagine this, and I love to criticize governments, but 
God, that's an unwinnable battle at most points. If they were to go, yeah, you know what? It's fine. Come on in now. Yeah, no. Speaking of crucified, the government would be, what do you mean? Oh, it's special exemptions for everybody. Screw you guys. Get out. You're all fired. Like, you can't go back now. Like, they have to they have to win this battle, whatever it is, by not letting him play. There's no way he could possibly. They'll set play. up a tennis court on a tanker out in the ocean, and they'll, <laughs> they'll, play, they'll play there. Well, and, and what does Djokovic do from then on in? Like, the Aussie Open is one of the big four tournaments, but... Is he going to be mad enough that, yeah, you know what? I don't need your tournament. I don't need to play. I keep winning your tournament. I got nine of your titles. I'm going to throw them off my boat, and I'm never coming back again. Like, Michael Jordan decided in 94, hey, I'm never talking to Sports Illustrated again, and we're almost 30 years past that, and he's never talked to Sports Illustrated again. You wonder if Novak's had it with Australia after all this. Uh, it's it's hard. Life on the clock. I'm sure that hard. the, uh, you know, I'm sure Australia will get over it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're not coming back? All right. I think they'll be all right. It is 5.58. News is next on 620 CKRM. You can follow us if you want. We're actually quite social. On Twitter, search at SportsGage. 620 CKRM. 6.04 on a Thursday. Time to welcome in TSN Radio, TSN Edge, our CFL gambling guru who is expanding to the National Football League. Aaron Karolnik, what's going on, brother? DT, great to be with you. And can you please let me know what a minus 48 wind chill feels like? Because I'm here in Toronto. Listen, we're in lockdown. It's not like we're in the most glamorous position either, but minus 48 wind chill sounds a, a little unpleasant. It's not amazing. You pre- you think <laughs> when you bought a house from someone, you thank you you thank them for the R fifty in the ceiling. You thank them for the mm. insulation in the wall. You you electrify all your blankets. It's uh, you just gotta ride it out. You just gotta you go. layer up and ride it out. That's all. That's all that's it can it. be. I have an incredible NFL gambling opportunity. We need to talk about uh, a little later, but. Uh, we should break this news. We just saw this now. The Argos, your Argos, making it official. They've hired Calgary defensive line coach Corey Mace as their defensive coordinator. You guys get some stability at defensive coordinator for the coming season. Yeah, yeah stability. How many defensive coordinators has Coach Ryan Dinwiddie had in the, what, year and a little bit that he's been uh, in tenure with the Toronto Argonauts? You had Glenn Young, who refused to be vaccinated. Then Chris Jones comes in. And now Corey Mace. But I think the key thing for Corey Mace, his resume includes the Calgary Stampeders, something that is a prerequisite for any Toronto Argonaut. So uh, that is certainly going to be advantageous for him, but certainly the continuity in the previous relationship with Coach Dinwiddie uh, bodes well for the Argos. And I mean, when you talk about Chris Jones departing, who did a pretty good job with the Argos, I mean, all, all things considered, coming in uh, during the during the course of the regular season, I think that's a, a quality addition for the double blue, something that should pay some dividends next year. Yeah, if nothing else, I mean, Mace gets a promotion. He's been around since 16 as a, as a coach. And, I mean, Ryan Dinwiddie just showing, hey, uh, these are guys I worked with. These are guys I think are good and deserve a step up. And, I mean, it's it's almost no lose for the Argos, right? Anything is better than having to switch horses in midstream. Well, that, that's that's exactly it. And and I think when you look at the approach that the Toronto Argonauts have tried to put together in the last, I guess, you know, it's the, the years kind of all coming together, at least since the 2019 season, 
it's been a very heavy Calgary focus, both on and off the field. And uh, at least through the last, let's call it the last 10 years of the Canadian Football League, there hasn't been a more successful franchise than the Calgary Stampeders. So if there was one organization to model yourself after and yeah. players to bring in, it's the Calgary Stampeders. He's Aaron Karolnik, TSN Radio, with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, Argos former quarterback Nick Arbuckle re-signing his deal in Toronto today. Connie in Cooks Creek is on the text line saying, does anyone really believe Arbuckle worth anything more than two hundred fifty grand a year? He hasn't proven anything to warrant that kind of money. Complete a full season as a starter first. Where are you on Arbuckle and his opportunities? Because you got to see you know, a half a season of him with the Argos. I really like that move for Edmonton. And I think it's a low risk, high reward proposition. Yeah, you're right. The money is a little exorbitant considering Arbuckle's experience. But keep in mind, dating back to 2019, when Arbuckle got a extended opportunity with Calgary, he led the league in completion percentage, or at least was close to the top. He acquitted himself very well. And the Argos decided to put uh, their balls in the basket of McLeod Bethel Thompson, which ultimately didn't work out spectacularly well for them in the playoffs, but the opportunities that Arbuckle got DT, I was impressed. I mean, think about that game that the Argos were able to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at home. That was a Nick Arbuckle started game and he was able to lead them to a couple of wins. So I, I like the move and I, I saw you tweeting about it, how perhaps there's certain similarities to Trevor Harris, the way that they're able to complete passes and maybe a little bit of a more shorter attack as far as uh, the, the, the passing attack would go. But I, I think it's a it's a shrewd move. It's not overly expensive. And my guess is they're going to look for someone to pair with Arbuckle, maybe in McLeod Bethel-Thompson, um, Bethel-Thompson, Arbuckle-type duo. But I can guarantee you the other guy won't be Taylor Cornelius. And if it is, then Edmonton's making a big mistake. Oh, gosh. You're gambling, you're gambling uh, <laughs> advice for the CFL. Your prop hits. Uh, so much anti-Cornelius money was made. Uh, Indeed. Th through the Indeed. prop masters. All right. Uh, National Football League week 18. There are some interesting games and then there's potentially the worst Sunday nighter of all time, which would be which I think uh, we just have to YOLO our entire bankrolls on this game. If it comes to be if Indianapolis in the early window loses to Jacksonville. It's it's happened before. Jacksonville has won a couple games this season. It's not impossible. If Indy loses to Jacksonville, Indy would be out of the playoffs, and both the Chargers and Las Vegas Raiders would be in if their game in the late window Sunday ends in a tie. If they tie in the <laughs> Sunday night football, they both get into the playoffs. If one of them wins, the other team doesn't get into the playoffs. They are heavily incentivized to tie on Sunday night football. That is currently available at 60 to 1. I'm just saying, I'm YOLOing my entire bankroll if on the, a tie if the Colts lose in the early window. Well, okay. First thing, the Colts are, I believe, 15 and a half point favorites at Jacksonville. Jacksonville just gave up a 50 spot to New England last week. So, Counting on Jacksonville to do anything positive. They did beat Buffalo this year. I will give them that. I would still tend to roll my eyes at that possibility, one. And two, Brandon Staley, the coach of the Chargers, and, and I saw some of the Raiders coaching staff uh, were addressing the situation. I can't fathom that on Sunday Night Football, one of the marquee events on the National Football League schedule, 
that teams – so you, is your kind of interpretation that the teams could just take a knee for three downs, punt, and then the other team would reciprocate with that idea – for all four quarters. Is that what you're hoping and expecting for? I would love to see that happen. I feel like they could get to some sort, they could reach some sort of agreement, gentlemen's agreement, where it ends 14-14 and nobody, remember, you might be a little, well, you might be a little young for what overtime used to look like in the NHL where teams just literally skated around five on five because they knew, you know, tie, we're both getting one point, let's not even bother yep. trying. Let's just we're just skating around late. It could it could honestly be that. And I'm just saying it, it I think it would be hilarious. It's for the oh. reasons you mentioned, not likely to happen, but could you imagine if it did? This thing that plays out in European soccer all the time comes to the NFL. It would be glorious. And I think everyone needs to be rooting for Jacksonville, which has had a lot of success against Indianapolis since twenty fourteen. I don't believe the Colts have beaten the Jags. In the last seven years, I think it's five in a row that Jacksonville has inexplicably beaten Indy. And Jacksonville has been a terrible team for a long time. So that is a shocking stat. You have to be rooting for Indianapolis to lose this game and at least enter the possibility. Enter this incredible opportunity for <laughs> utter madness at 60-1 to 1 for your bankroll to just explode exponentially. And not to mention, other things exploding would be the mind of Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, yeah. who would have the meltdown of all meltdowns, and rightfully so. I mean, very little integrity in a gentleman's agreement in a tie between two teams vying for the final playoff spot in the in the AFC. But I guess stranger things have happened. Or maybe they haven't. I guess we'll have to wait and find out. Abby, do you wanna do you wanna slice of this? If I put twenty-five dollars on the parlay of Jacksonville outright wins against Indianapolis and the Chargers in Las Vegas tie, $25 wins me $11,400. Do you want a slice of this? I'll add 20 more to the pot. Uh, <laughs> a lot of elect electric blankets, fellas. That is so many electric blankets. He's Aaron Karolnik, TSN Edge with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, a little early in the prop world, but what... What should we look for in week 18? What what games are you curious to see? Uh, what games, I mean, the ones you'll ignore, we don't care much about, but, but what are you watching for in week 18? Week 18, I think, is the most fascinating week for player props. And let me explain why. Contract incentives are the theme of so many games that have no meaning other than players trying to accomplish certain goals, whether it be tackles or sacks or passing touchdowns, rushing yards, receiving yards, etc. There's so many players around the NFL that are trying to get certain contract incentives. And there's also certain players that are trying to set NFL records. And for me, the most mm. fascinating thing of all is what will happen with Cooper Cup and the LA Rams. He needs 136 receiving yards to set the all-time record. Is that possible? Absolutely. I mean, Co Cooper Cup has gone beyond that number many times this year. But if you look at the last five weeks, Cooper Cup's been great all year. He has not had a receiving total, as far as his over-under, over 108. It's no coincidence that this week, his prop total for receiving yards is 126 and a half. So clearly the oh, sports folks yes. are expecting Matthew Stafford and the LA Rams just to fill the basket of Cooper Cup for targets. But keep in mind, this is a very meaningful game for the Rams. They're in the playoffs but it's huge for seeding in the NFC. So it'll be really interesting to see how heavy 
the Rams' number one target cup and kind of maybe even deviate from their game plan to get him the record for most receiving yards, something that I never really expected Cooper Cup to do, but certainly before the, the season began. But he has just been so outstanding throughout the course of the year. And the fact that he even has a chance at this, albeit with an extra game, is a truly remarkable accomplishment. Would not surprise me in the slightest if he got 15 targets or so and blew past the 126 and a half. The Rams are, are such, a, such an interesting team to me. They had a three-game losing streak this year, yet their their record is crushing it. Matthew Stafford can make – I don't know if there's a more high-low quarterback in, in the NFL currently, like high ceiling and low floor than Matthew Stafford because some of those interceptions last week against Baltimore were oh. – what on earth are you doing? And then he is capable of throwing dimes that maybe two other quarterbacks in the league can do. He is, he is, I, I never know what to expect from him day to day. Well, I mean, we, we know for certain just the, the playoff success hasn't been there. And yeah, Stafford has spent his entire career in Detroit. So you have to at least attribute uh, a significant part of that. But man, Stafford, the talent, it's undeniable. The arm talent, the way that this guy can sling it, very few guys on the planet can. And we've seen the last couple of weeks, albeit all in wins, the Rams are, are rolling with five straight wins, potential to make it six this week if they were to beat San Francisco on Sunday. They're a dangerous team because of all the talent. We mentioned the offensive weapons and guys on defense. Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the NFL. He's got Vaughn Mill on the other side. A solid group of linebackers. We know what Jalen Ramsey does um, in the secondary. They're a nasty team. A lot of a lot of guys in the NFL, if, if you're asked a lot of NFL analysts, which we talk about quite a bit uh, on my radio show, mm-hmm. they like the Rams of any team beyond the Green Bay Packers to challenge Green Bay if they have to go to Lambeau because of all the talent. And mostly it's the Stafford Cup OBJ connection that uh, can rival what Rodgers and Devontae Adams and company can do. Yeah, I, I just don't see it over three games. Like, they're they're not getting the number one seed. They have to win, what, four times to win the Super Bowl? I just I just can't imagine Stafford holds up when, I mean, the car. well, I don't know. What do you make of the Cardinals? The car, I, Are the Cardinals done at this point with, with how this last month has gone for them? I, I don't know what their deal is. Uh, the Niners could squeak in and cause problems with Trey Lance. The Buccaneers, are the Buccaneers done? I think so. Yeah, I, I, I do believe so because the offensive weapons, let's go back to last year. You had Chris Godwin humming. You had Antonio Brown humming. You had Leonard Fournette humming. We know Godwin and A.B. are done. And you're talking about guys like Cyril Grayson and Tyler Johnson filling those voids. Those are enormous downgrades. And listen, I get it. Tom Brady, he's the GOAT. Why bet against Tom Brady? But the big difference is – the talent surrounding Tom Brady is not nearly the same. Mike Evans, when he's in the lineup, outstanding receiver, but that man has a lot of injuries when it comes to hamstrings and groins. He's seemingly always banged up, so I don't know how reliable he is. And you know, Gronk would fall into the same camp. So I'm not a really a believer of any team in the NFC except Green Bay. I just struggle to see how anybody comes in there. And beats Green Bay at Lambeau, especially if you think back to last year, it was Tampa who did it. Remember, mm-hmm. Brady had three picks in that game at Lambeau on the road in the NFC Championship game, and somehow they still won. So maybe he's they'll be able to do it again, but I just I just can't see them being able to muster the offensive explosion that will be needed to keep up with Aaron Rodgers and company. Green Bay Packers 8-0 and at home 
this season, having clinched the number one seed uh, in the National Football League. Uh, can't imagine Aaron Rodgers will play. Joe Burrow is already already out on the Cincinnati side in the AFC. Uh, still some stuff. There's some absolutely terrible games that will be thoroughly unwatchable, but I'm looking forward to Sunday night tie after a Jacksonville <laughs> win. I was only able to get $15 on that bet, but when it comes through, AK, you'll know a man who has seven grand in his pocket, so I'm very happy about this. Uh, seven grand and many of the most extravagant electric blankets in the entire <laughs> province of Saskatchewan. He's Aaron Karolnik, TSN Radio, TSN Edge. Uh, thanks, brother. Appreciate you. See you, DT. 619, Aaron Karolnik with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Is it wrong that I want the sports world to burn? Like, there are, there are so many times, I, I covered soccer for five years, and there were so many times where, oh, it'd be great, both these teams want a tie. Oh, look how it just miraculously ended in a tie. This sixth game of the Champions League group, if they tie, they both go through. Oh, look, it ended nil-nil. I mean, it is soccer, so yeah, that's, w- that, that happens. That's And that's that one's easier, that one's way easier to make it look real, yeah. right? You're like, well... They sort of tried because they kind of had a shot on goal. The it would be super hard to pull off, you know, scoreless tie. No one's buying that. But you know, fourteen fourteen. Well, really, we just believe that you guys came to that individually. But I would love to see it. Think, just think about this. Let's say that game does go to overtime, just by chance. Let's say it's really that good of a game <laughs> and it goes to OT. Can you imagine? Like for sure, Goodell would be like. No, 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 right? Oh, yeah. So Because they'd be playing in overtime, and if somebody, you know, had a chance to win the game with a field goal at the end, and it was like a 30-yarder, and then they somehow kicked it left, you know, and the game ended in a tie, that would be that would be unbelievable. Well, it's because it, when does it ever happen in, in North American sports, right? Like, if, if Indy loses, they'll be, uh, what is it? Uh, they will be 10 and 7, well, 10 and 7, 9 and 8. And the other two teams going into the week are, are nine and seven. And you go, nine, seven, and one is good. <laughs> Ten, nine and eight is, is awful. We both know that. Uh, maybe we, we don't talk about it, but we all know what's going on here. And that's the thing. There's fixing a game, and then there's we both understand our incentives in this spot. Let's not kill ourselves. Nobody can get injured. Yeah, we could both get into the playoffs by the back door. Yeah, live, and, live oh, to play another day, right? Goodell would just lose it. He'll be on hand for that game for sure. If if the 1 o'clock game or the noon game goes wrong, he's immediately flying to Vegas for the final game. Do you think the Jags, sure. like, do you think, I mean, obviously they would all know the situation, but, uh, I mean, they obviously have not been a very good football team, but oh, I, I think they're, they would give it their all this coming Sunday. They want to do everything they can to beat Indy, first of all and just make things way more interesting in the NFL. Any little moral victory, right? Like, at, at that level, honestly, especially in the final game of the season, because we'll talk about momentum and and whatever you believe about momentum, but, hey, guys, we won our last game of the year last year. This is a good message for whoever's going to be the head coach of that team next year. Hey, guys, we won. We beat a team that should have gone to the playoffs. We ruined them. Like, that, that can be your Super Bowl. You can sell that as a coach. So I totally believe... Whether they're talented enough to pull it yeah, off, I don't think so. <laughs> like that nine-six win they had over Buffalo, like that's that's the aberration of aberrations in yeah. 2021. But 
I could I could sell that to some players if if I really tried. And uh, man, if it comes through, someone's rich on Sunday night. Just saying. Uh, Six twenty three more coming inside the cage. He's got something to say, and so do you. Call or text Derek now at 306-936-6262 or find us on Twitter at SportsCage. This is Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. 624, 15 bucks, chance to win $6,800. Every once in a while, there are, there are wagers you make because they're smart and you think they're going to be profitable, but... Honestly, there's there's a few during the season that I make just be like, because it would be so funny if this happened. This would be a story for me for all of time. Yeah, I still think one of the best wagers ever was the streaker at the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's right. The what guy, was that? What, 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 was, what was that one? It was like six hundred to one or something. Something weird that there'd be a streaker at the Super Bowl and the guy bet on himself. That's Unfortunately, right. he couldn't shut his mouth, and then ended up. <laughs> You know, going to jail, getting charged, and then not getting his money because they took it all back. But yeah, if he would have just, you know, been tight lipped, he would have made it was a lot. It was a lot of money. That's a guy who has no trustworthy friends, right? Like, <laughs> I would phone up a buddy, be like, "You need to pick this up for me, and I'll cut you in." But you need to, you yeah. need to go cash this ticket in for me because it's sixty grand, whatever yeah. it was. Because <laughs> I did. Why not? If you can influence the results, right? If I'm at home with with crossing my fingers and crossing my legs to influence field goals going left and right, why not? We're all doing it. Yeah. Some of us are more naked than others. <laughs> Yikes! But yeah, when you, when it comes to to bets, like you said, there's some obviously that that you use with your head, and then the others that are just a little more fun to just say, you know what, I'm not, I don't have to spend a ton of money here, or yeah. just, you know, 10, 15 bucks, whatever, but if it comes through, it's such a massive payday that, now ah, why not? God, just to be, because he'd be that guy, I'd be internet famous for like 12 and a half minutes, like, yeah. can you, here's the, here's the proof, here's, here's the guy the that proof. did that, yeah. Only get down fifteen dollars though. I wanted my twenty-five, so I couldn't cut you in for twenty. So I feel like we'll I feel like to... if, if Jacksonville is like leading late in that game, there will be a whole slew of bets though. I bet come in. Oh, I like, gear, if, yeah. like if if they know that that potentially could be a scenario, you know. Oh, that like, that line of sixty to one on tie in the final game that's going to drop like a rock. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm with you though on that one, for sure, man. So much. This is the thing with the beginning of the uh, of the calendar year. We had that signing flurry through Christmas, where hey, teams were able to to move up salary money. The Riders were able to sign a couple of guys: Jorgen Hoos, Keenan LaFrance, uh, Logan Furland, Evan Johnson. Presumably, give them some bonuses, get that money on the 2020 cap. Now forward to 2021, we're now a month away from free agency, and I mean, we're talking star players re-signing, which. You know, it doesn't give us much drama for February with Reggie Bagleton and Jamarcus Hardrick. But uh, it's it's the kind of thing we're thinking, just watching for the Riders. Real, well, we're all watching for one name, right? We're watching for... Let's just get O'Day in here. Like, not on the phone. Let's get him in here and then just, you know, start throwing names at him and see what his uh, facial expressions are. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, you're on camera. Duke Williams. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Perfect. Yeah. We're signing out the guy. Okay. Yeah. He. I mean, he was with us uh, late in 2020 when he when he said, "Yeah, you know, wait a minute. What year is it? 2021, right?" <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I don't know what. I didn't know what day it was on Tuesday, and now I don't know what year it is. Uh, but he said, "Yeah. I mean, Duke is a guy who who did everything we could possibly have wanted when he was with us. I think as fans, we all saw that, and his touchdown 
in the West Final was the best play of the year, probably. And his post-game interview was the best of the year, too. It was fantastic. Man, yeah, he is. That's a guy. And uh, got a question on the text line. Does he have any workouts in the NFL? Uh, Duke's going to be 29 when next season starts, so I feel like his window in the NFL is is over. I haven't seen his name on any lists of of workouts like Drew Desjardins and Zach Williams, the young young offensive lineman from Winnipeg and Calgary, both had workouts in the NFL today. Uh, Duke's probably past that, which is great for. Here's yeah. a two-year deal to stay with the Riders, and I'm sure that little injury there right at the end didn't help either in the you know potential return to the NFL, right? So yeah, so I mean, if if you have a chance to go to the NFL, you're going to try, but some point just here's a here's the cfl version of the money truck just take whatever you need yeah. slap on that number 14 and join us next season as we try to host a great cup well or play in a great cup and that he we got are hosting. he got to experience what rider nation is all about for the most part i mean our crowds were a little lighter when he was here obviously but still you know yeah. we've got the cadillac of the stadium and um and when it's rocking at mosaic there is no better place for a player to want to play exactly uh tomorrow Chase the ace. You can get your tickets at Ryderville. $20,000 jackpot. We'll see what the, the weekly one is up to. Yeah, last time I checked, it was about close to $1,500. Bucks. Very so nice. So it, it should be, yeah, it should be around probably two grand or more tomorrow, I think. We'll draw that live. Luke Mullender talks some CFL with us. Andy McNamara with the, uh, the uh, weekly fantasy tips for week 18. A tough one to navigate, but some interesting NFL talk. Fantasy all-stars as well from the National Football League as we approach the final week of the regular season sports cage on demand wherever you get your podcast please do subscribe leave us a five-star rating and a review and we're back tomorrow with plenty more in the cage